Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us in the way of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, with power and deep conviction. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week has been a significant one for the Braise churches because the seven Kirk sessions have all voted in favour of a draft partnership agreement which outlines the broad structure we might work within as a hub across the Braise. This partnership agreement will now go to the Presbytery Planning Group and we hope it will be accepted. When the outcome is known, we'll try to keep you up to date and then maybe be in a position to share the partnership agreement more widely. Hopefully, we're all aware of why we are talking about and working hard towards becoming a hub. In essence, the Church of Scotland faces multiple difficult decisions simultaneously. Collectively, we need to address the issues of fewer ministers, dwindling finances, Aging congregations and buildings, a lack of office bearers, and above all, above all, a dwindling impact within Scottish society, such that few churches have young families worshipping within them, and even fewer young people grow up to own the faith for themselves after they leave the church family. This was brought home to me again recently when the Church of Scotland's chief officer wrote to all presbyteries at the end of January and said, Our future target number for all ministry posts in five years' time would be in the region of 600. This is a reduction of around 20% on the advisory figures produced by the Ministries Council in 2018 for the number of ministers. So more change is coming and the proposed hub will not be with us forever, though it can guide us through the immediate future and begin a process of drawing all the brace churches even closer together and enable us to support one another in these difficult days. Because the partnership agreement is not the solution. Neither is the solution simply a matter of increasing finances or recruiting more ministers or shelving our old buildings or even being a more attractive church to wider society. Our true problem is spiritual rather than any of these other issues. And I partly believe this in light of what I read recently in two separate books which shared a similar thought nonetheless. One said, win your community with entertainment and you have to keep them there by entertaining them. And then separately, in the end, what we won young people with is what we won them to. I'm also mindful of what we read in the book of Acts. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So our problem is spiritual because our solution is spiritual. Our solution is tied to our spiritual maturity of the things we give ourselves to, the priorities we make, the dependence on the Lord we nurture, the vibrancy of our faith, the testimony we can share of God's work among us, and how we nurture our common life together. All of this is spiritual. And sadly, I think these issues, these types of conversations are foreign to many of us. We don't talk about it much. Maybe we feel uncomfortable to do so. As such, we may resonate more with this old quote. Some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. I wonder if some of us say, yes, amen to that. That is so true. I can think of people that are too heavenly minded. And this quote gives us a measure of comfort. But what if, what if the church today is so earthly minded that we are of no heavenly good? Have we imbibed this quote so much that we address the problems of our day with earthly solutions rather than heavenly solutions? C.S. Lewis once said, if you read history, you will find the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So how do we change? For we still need to press on with the hub in addressing the issues we face because finances are running out, ministers are being burnt out, and the people of the church still need to be cared for. Yet, as I say, our problem is deeper. It's spiritual, not structural. So how do we change? How do we ensure that we pursue the right things and have a vibrant faith to share with the world? Well, in our passage today, Paul calls us and models to us the importance of being a church which pursues maturity through a right focus and a right attitude. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Firstly, let's note that Paul is referencing what he wrote in the previous section of knowing Jesus, of appreciating Jesus, of growing in relationship with Jesus and likeness to Jesus. Paul says he hasn't yet obtained all this. Even he, the Apostle Paul, who by this point has been following Jesus for 20 or 30 years, even he has not arrived at the goal, which in other translations is spoken about as perfection or maturity. So Paul himself is still seeking to mature, and he wants the church to pursue this as well. Towards the end, 
Maturity comes about by having a right focus, a goal, a prize, a calling, he says. And as he previously outlined last week, this is to have a relationship with Jesus and grow in the likeness of Jesus. That's why he goes on to compare a heavenly focus with an earthly focus. When our attention is predominantly captured by things upon earth, then we in effect become enemies of the cross, he says. We shun the way of Jesus, and our God is our stomach. We pursue personal satisfaction above all else. We pander to self. And this then leads on to a false glory, a glory that is in shameful things, valuing the wrong things. In fact, we can end up enjoying and celebrating things that offend God. Francis Chan, one of the authors I quoted earlier, in the same chapter goes on to say, by catering our worship to the worshippers and not to the object of our worship, I fear we have created human-centered churches. As a remedy to this, Paul reminds the Philippians that we can keep a right focus by remembering we are citizens of heaven. Philippi, where the group of Christians are based that Paul is writing to, Philippi was a Roman colony. And that meant they were citizens of Rome. And they were to promote the interests of Rome such that they would even make Philippi reflect the look, the feel, and the customs of Rome, even though Rome was hundreds of miles away. Likewise, as citizens of heaven, God's people are to point to the kingdom of God through their lives, through their values. So let me ask, church, is this our focus, our goal? Do we prize our relationship with Jesus and seek for his kingdom to be known and grown within the breeze? Or is church about us? about what you and I can get from church. Because the most life-giving people I know, the most life-giving churches I know, are those which have a right focus, because then through them flows the love, the power, and the values of God. Yet if we are to mature towards this goal, it doesn't happen by accident. We must adopt a right attitude. Paul says, I press on. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. What Paul forgets is not past mistakes as we commonly assume but rather his past accomplishments. He isn't settling down. Paul's not resting on his laurels or counting his chickens. He presses on. He runs the race to the very end. And likewise, he calls the Philippians to this way of living out their faith. He concludes by saying, 
for them to stand firm in the Lord in this way. Stand firm even though they face persecution. Make Jesus the highest priority of your life is what he's saying. Friends, are we standing firm? Are we showing our allegiance to Jesus first and foremost in our lives? For example, I'll give you a number of questions here. Are you reading the Scriptures? Have you started to read the New Testament plan for this year? Or are you putting your faith into practice? Are you serving in some way? Are you giving to the life of your congregation, however small, however behind the scenes? Also, are you giving financially? What we spend our money on shows what we value. Have you looked at that recently? Have you considered whether that needs to be adjusted in any way? And finally, are you nurturing the faith of others, of one another? Our reading plan took us into Hebrews this week, and on Friday we were reminded of these words. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Are we encouraging the faith of one another? Is our faith worth enough that we speak of it? Or do we only speak about work, family, the weather, and the things that we complain about? Brothers and sisters, we are called to maturity through a right focus and right attitude. And we all have a part to play in this. Fewer buildings, more ministers, and all singing, all dancing hub are not needed to make this happen. It simply takes you and me responding to the Word of God. And that's a choice we can all make. So as Paul says, and I say to you, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and care for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I pray it may be so. And I want to take a moment to pray now and give us space to respond. So let us pray. Our last hymn was that call for a closer walk with God. That call to, to shed the dearest idol, the dearest thing that we might give our worship to above and before God. That we might then worship God alone. I wonder, friends, I wonder where you need to 
seek a closer walk with God? What is it you're going to respond to today from today's message? Do you need to prioritize Jesus in some way? Do you need to prize him more? Do you need to give him your time? Do you need to serve in some way? Do you need to sacrifice embarrassment and being uncomfortable and have a conversation about faith and spirituality with someone? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to our hearts. Show us where we are to respond today. Lord, if there's someone we're to speak with today or the coming week about spiritual matters, would you bring them to mind just now? Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal how we might grow closer to Jesus. Is there a, a, a sin that we need to turn from? Convict us, Holy Spirit. Is there a choice we need to make to read your word, to be in prayer, to serve, to give? Come, Holy Spirit, reveal the way of Jesus to us. Friends, whatever's come to mind, why don't you just take a moment in the silence in the stillness, or even with the kids buzzing around, just take a moment to, to speak it out to God, either quietly or audibly. Who's that person? What's that choice? What's that sin you need to turn from? Get real with the Lord right now. Don't wait till after. Do it now. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, how we adore you. We want to adore you even more. That you would be our goal and prize. You would be what we run towards day after day and all our days. Lord, help us shed the sin that so easily entangles. The traditions or distractions or whatever it may be, Lord, that keep us from your way. Help us shed them. And help us choose you and choose the things that are of you and prioritize you and show your kingdom and build your church. Lord, come have your way. Fill us afresh today with your spirit. Give us that power to choose your way over the way we'd so easily take because of sin. Come, Lord, fill us afresh that we would stand firm in you this way, this day, every day, this week, Lord. For we ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen.